0: Oh, now I can see. Blob Talk Radio.
1: Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up the world. Travel through time and space. So much to learn. So much to
0: see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind your
1: heart, gain new knowledge, get a fresh new start, and Jane Nestor will bring you there.
0: And This is Fran Lewis, this is MJ Network, MJ in memory of my sister, Marsha Joyce, and we have the author of Cliff Diver here, Carmen Amato, and I'm going to read a little statement from the back cover, so get you started. You're going to want to hear, read this one, Consistently Exciting, a Clever Mexican Tale that Will Leave Readers eager for the Series Next Installment. That's a Kirkus Review. That's big because they don't always say the nicest thing. So welcome, Carmen, and welcome to MJ Network. And um, can you do like a brief summary of the book so everybody knows about uh, this Detective Cruz? She's really interesting.
1: Thank you, Fran. Yeah, I really appreciate uh, getting some time to talk about my favorite thing, which, of course, is the Detective Amelia Cruz series. Mm. She is the first female police detective in Acapulco, one of my Mm. favorite cities in the world, but unfortunately one which has been taken over by drug cartels and is Mm. having a terrific crime wave. So uh, Cliff Diver is the first book in the series, which so far is eight books with about half a dozen short reads, including a Christmas novella. And it sets up, Emilia as not only the first female police detective in Acapulco, but sort of creates her world. She's up against official corruption. She's up against the Mexican notion of machismo, um, in, in which gender issues uh, really figure. And she's up against the drug cartels. So not only is she living in a stew of paranoia because of the corruption, she's dealing with horrific crime on the street, and she's also dealing with uh, a squad room full of male colleagues who don't want her there. Mm. So we've kind of set her up there. And introduced her and her family, and then the man who will become her love interest, Kurt Rucker, who uh, he's the manager of the most luxurious hotel, the Palacio Real, in Acapulco.
0: Well, it's it's amazing. A lot of people have been writing books about female detectives or female characters that get bamboozled by a whole bunch of male whatevers, and it makes it hard. You know, when I started teaching, I taught sixth grade. And it was me and the guys. And don't worry, I hold my own. Well, you, you, you I just... come
1: from the Central Intelligence Agency. I had a 30-year career in oh, well, you're national brave. <laughs> intelligence. And when I began my career, back when dinosaurs roamed the earth, uh, I was one of the few women in wow. in my office and encountered a few... Um, interactions like that and, and one uh, in which one of my male colleagues said he was just going to make life rough for me until I quit and I laughed mm-hmm. and said tell me something I don't know um, and I actually used that uh, interaction and placed it in Cliff Diver. so she does have uh, yeah, I see. an, an yeah. argument with uh, someone who's going to end up becoming her chief suspect. No, I know what you're saying. My principal, when I
0: started, my assistant principal was my third grade teacher. So I got hired walking down the street, and he resented that. So he was going to make my life a living misery the first year. They gave me a class that nobody would even want. They prayed that I never got sick. And finally, at the end of the year, he said, you know... I can I can access you, I said. And who's gonna do your musicals? Because I play the piano. Who's gonna do this for you? Be my guest. I'll go somewhere else. I don't care. So what did he do? He gave me the top class in the school the following year <laughs> because he couldn't forget it. So this is multilingual. I was learning Spanish words throughout this book, and focus on a police force that speaks Spanish, whose focus is on on her, and of course they resented her. But how come the bilingual?
1: Well, you know, it's um it's difficult when you're writing in English, but mm-hmm. the, these characters are all Mexican. Um the the scene takes place in Acapulco. This is the Acapulco Police Department. And one of my role models was Peter Maley, who wrote the um A Year in Provence and a number of other French Um, novels. Well, he uh, was my role model when it came to adding foreign language words in your narrative so that your reader understands they're in that foreign country. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can see it in a number of other authors. Uh, Another role model for me is Martin Cruz-Smith's Arkady uh, Renko series that, which takes place in Russia and you'll see the same effect with the foreign language words in his narrative. So trying to show the, the reader that this is taking place in a foreign country.
0: Well I know I got that part, not unclear. <laughs> it's just that at times I had to actually use my Spanish dictionary. Um, actually, my niece um, took Spanish, so Katie Rose helped me out here. And, At the yeah, back my, of the
1: book, there's a little glossary for, for each one yeah, of I the I know. I did use that also. <laughs> I <laughs> did
0: ahead. use that, but whichever words I couldn't pronounce, whatever. Now, I took French. My mother said to take French, and I wanted to take Spanish because I figured that would help a lot better. But Tell us about... I, I also took French. <laughs> I yeah, I got go the ahead. French medal I got the French medal in junior <laughs> high school And I didn't want it I wanted the music medal because I was first violin <laughs> So I got the French medal It's it's, it's some place around here But yeah, I wanted Spanish Because Spanish would have been fine But tell us about her partner Rico And tell us
1: about the first scene with Drucker And the car um, Yes, the book opens In a scene that is Taken from uh, an experience I had in Mexico mm. when friends of ours had a Mexican driver mm. who was arrested for driving a foreign-plated car without yeah. uh, the Mexican uh, owner in the car. And so I used the same uh, device in which uh, Kurt Rucker, the manager of the hotel, comes to the police department hoping to retrieve the car that hotel guests uh, had seized in the same situation. Their driver was in the car. They weren't, um, and it was a foreign-plated car. That's scary. One of the the teachers in my
0: school was in Mexico, and she got killed because she just crossed the street too fast. They were just coming down the street. and
1: scary. There's there's a a distinct... uh, You know, criminal situation happening uh, there. But in this case, it turns out that the criminal was the driver. Um, And at the end of the first chapter, uh, the man, the driver, uh, his body is found, or actually his head is found, uh, sort of giving a message to Kurt Rucker, the hotel manager, But it isn't later until they realize what the message is and who is involved. And that involvement spools out through the the storyline. As for Rico, Rico Portillo is uh, Mm. Emilia's first partner. And he's got a bit of a protective attitude toward her, which she doesn't... She doesn't really like but uh, does appreciate to a certain extent. Uh, in a uh, collection of short stories called Maiden in Acapulco, which your listeners can get free on Amazon uh, for mm. Kindle, he is the one who is responsible for her job. Uh, when she made it through all of the hoops, become the first female police detective and of course the lieutenant did not want her in the squad room uh, before she was able to take the job he said that unless one of my detectives steps up and says they will take you on as partner you can't have this job I won't let you in my squad room Enrico Portillo was the only one who stepped up and said I will take you on as partner and so she does owe him uh, her her loyalty uh, in in that respect. Yeah,
0: but she's tough, and yet she's not tough at times too. Sometimes I wanted to yell at her and say, "Will you blast them out, please? You've got girl power here." <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's so much that you can do, and there's, there's so much you can can't. I know, I see it, I see it outside. There's um, Con Edison is doing some construction work outside. No gas leaks, and as we're riding down, I feel so bad for this girl. She's been holding a pole for the last three months, just standing and holding a pole, mm-hmm. uh, and I just look, and she looks so sad. <laughs> she's only getting a lot of money just well, to stand and hold a pole, so yeah, yeah about so, we'll, so. That's it's that's real sad.
1: life, yeah. I know a- Amelia can do so much um, and, and go so far, and and to a certain extent, she's testing the waters but she also knows she is in a, an atmosphere of distrust. The, the cartels have bought off so many people within the police department and the civil bureaucracy. She doesn't know who she can trust and who she can't.
0: I don't trust very many of anybody. Tell us about yeah. Sophia. Now, she allows people in her house, and you brought in an issue that I'm very familiar with, dementia, Alzheimer's. So why does she leave her alone? Because I know when my mom, she had to have somebody there with her, otherwise she would wander and you couldn't find her. That's happened a couple of times. Uh,
1: well, I never actually in the book say that Amelia's mother, Sophia, has Alzheimer's. You just want um, to know. Well, she's, and this is a, a subplot that's going to spool out through all of the books, um, that she had a nervous breakdown when Amelia was very young and uh, Amelia's father was killed in a car accident. And it, Sophia, Amelia's mother, took her to live with the mother's brother-in-law, so Amelia's uncle. And that's where Amelia grew up in this cramped apartment with her mother her aunt, her uncle, and two cousins who have preceded her into the police department. So Mm. So, Sophia is she she can operate at a childlike level. mm. And as the series goes by, you find out what happened to cause that nervous breakdown years ago. And how Sophia has, I don't want to give things away, but no, don't kind give of manipulated people through the years. And this, this is like the big family secret that traces through eight books uh, and counting. Uh, and before the series ends, which I'm not saying when that's going to happen, mm-hmm. but this big family secret has to be resolved. Uh, I get a lot of reader emails asking about things like that. Well, when um, is the next one coming out? Just one. Uh, the next. Well, uh, as I say, number eight came out uh, last year, and uh, this past year, let's see, six months ago, a novella, "The List Maker of Acapulco," came out, but the next full Detective Amelia Cruz. Probably won't be out until uh, 2023, because this coming year, I'm releasing the uh, four-book Galliano Club series, which mm. is a historical mystery based on my grandfather's tales of when he was deputy sheriff of Oneida County in New York during Prohibition. Oh, nice so nice. I, I took a break took a little break from Mexican cartels and uh corruption to you know focus on entirely new <laughs> avenues of corruption during prohibition
0: are you gonna do are you gonna do a tour of that or are you just gonna promote it yourself
1: uh I will probably do a number of uh different events uh for the Galliano oh, nice. Club series um in this coming year. That hasn't gotten planned out yet, but um that, that's coming. So all of my uh, newsletter readers know that after the Galeano Club series happens then I'll be working on uh Detective Amelia Cruz number nine. I'll have to leave some room in two thousand twenty three because twenty two <laughs> is practically filled. <laughs> would
0: you believe? My show, yeah, I just, I have one more date in April. That's it, people. No more. And then wow. I, and I have You're a couple in, yeah, I was like shocked, yeah. I just filled um, April with people that are not from, only from the tour, from Club Partners in Car, but famous authors that came out of nowhere, absolutely out of nowhere. And the, you know what it is? Because of this lovely virus that doesn't want to leave. I wish it would just die and never come back. Um, a lot of people just need interviews, and not a problem. It's, it's well, a lot of fun, anyway. Yeah.
1: Everyone's been so, stuck at home. Uh, I do know they've been reading, and I really appreciate all the reader emails I get about the book. Well, that, that is good, because I appreciate
0: some nice comments about mine. I read um, a lot of books a week. And the, lately, I've been getting some. That there are two that are self-help that I'm not going to do because I don't. I didn't ask for them, and if I don't want to read it, I won't. And if it's not really something that interests me, I just won't read it because I don't want to write something mean. It's not me. So tell us about the murder scene. She the first time she's sent to a murder scene. That must have been a little traumatic. And tell us about understanding. What does she begin to in, to uncover?
1: Well, she she uncovers. Uh, let's say a, a secret second life. And now, mm. the the murder victim is her own lieutenant, uh, a man mm. who has not treated her very well yes. in the past two years. And, and she knows he's a dirty cop. And she will actually connect him to a kidnapping and uh, a counterfeit money scheme. So when she finds him, he's on his own speedboat, which has washed up on the beach at Kurt Rucker's Luxury Hotel. Uh, it, it's kind of a gruesome situation. There's a plastic bag over his head. He's obviously oh, had his head caved in by a blunt object. Uh, and And he's dead on the boat. Um, And it's a shock because, of course, when she goes to the murder scene, somewhat excited because she's gotten all these crummy assignments before, and now she's actually going to get to investigate a homicide, and she and her partner, Rico, are shocked to find out it's their boss dead on this boat. So... She reports back, and surprisingly, the head of the police union puts her in charge, even though she's yeah, know. basically still a rookie. And his reasoning to her is women are less corrupt than men. But he gives her some interesting instructions, which is no matter what, unless she can prove it's the wife, she can arrest the wife, but other than that, she doesn't make an arrest. She just tells him, and he'll take care of the arrest. So that should set off a few alarm bells. What is the union chief's, you know, what? what's his game? What is he playing? And as it turns out, he's a very gray character. Maybe he's on her side, maybe he's not. And he uh, will... Continue through the series as well. Always, uh, there's always an element of uncertainty and tension when he appears on the page. I don't like him. I know. I could feel it, <laughs> and I
0: could feel. I could feel. You know. You know. You get a person that's standing in front of you. You know he's a supervisor. I know that, and you have to grit your teeth and pray that you don't say the wrong thing. And sometimes it just comes out anyway. It just doesn't matter. What can you do? And there were times and, that we say to her, Amelia, you've got to really let them have it. You've got to let them know you're in charge. Don't let those guys step on you. So when she takes over the position and she sets up the morning meetings at 6 p.m., why they the lack of respect, that got me annoyed. And, of course, Leo, he's horrible.
1: Yes, and and they don't show up. And they don't do what she asks them to do, and what does what does she you know how how can she change this situation and make them work with her um and and little by little they do not all of them, but it it creeps together until the senior uh um, the senior detective franco silvio, who is uh Former heavyweight boxing champ, so there is a uh, an element of physical menace to their interaction. Um, when he starts to help out, that leads the other detectives to follow him uh, and and participate a little better in the uh, investigation. But the thing with Silvio is. What role did he play in the yeah. lieutenant's murder? So that that, that is an open question towards the end. Well, we're not going to tell them the answer to that. You guys got to read this. No. Seriously. <laughs> I don't want to give no, any is, spoilers.
0: <laughs> no, I get eye strain a lot reading, and some of these books have given me total eye strain because I can't put them down. What can you do? Um Look. Tell us right. about Fausto and the kidnapping and the man whose son he returned. Why take the money? Not
1: nice. Well, that that is part of the whole secret life mm. that the lieutenant was was keeping mm. from the rest of the, the police department. So by day, he was um, the chief of detectives. For the city of Acapulco, you know, not that uh, Mexico has a very good record when it comes to closing cases. I think they have like a 2% solve rate uh, Mm. across the country, and Acapulco is not immune to that. But apart from that, he came from a wealthy family. His brother controlled a uh, number of uh, businesses including a bottled water business. Now in Mexico, there is, you don't drink the tap water. Everyone drinks bottled water and mm. water is delivered to your house in these great big five gallon uh, jugs. Um, and that was the company that the family uh, owned and helped to make them wealthy. but. The brother understood that Fausto Innocente, the lieutenant of detectives, uh, was a big gambler and gambled away all of his family money, and Mm -hmm. so the brother refused to give him any more. Part of this second life involved not only gambling, but schemes to get his money back because he was a very good loser. So that... Oh, uh, gosh. Is is some of the the backstory that Amelia begins to uncover uh, as she investigates who killed the lieutenant. So was it connected to the family business? Was it connected to his gambling? Was it something else? Well, she's got a lot of red was. herrings. Yeah, she's got a lot of red I herrings know. to wade through.
0: <laughs> well, you see, this is what what makes me it makes it interesting because if if there's no floor... And if there's nothing bad that happens, you just fall asleep reading the book. And you don't want to fall asleep reading this one, that's for sure. And for those of you that want to learn about Poca Poco and a foreign language, this is the book to read. And it was really good. So his well, thank wife you. His wife I don't like. And she got really upset because she ruined her plans for an event. She doesn't really care I don't think she tells her to tell her her timeline of where she was and when she was killed, and how does she discover the truth i mean this this wife is not nice his wife
1: no she she was not nice, and unfortunately she the role model for that woman was uh a few of the uh, the mothers I met when my children were in school in Mexico, oh God, yeah, um, <laughs> uh, where they were very focused on appearances and mm-hmm. uh their their social uh events there there's a very big disparity in incomes in mexico uh and it's very very apparent it, it it's not something that's hidden um, and of course. When you're driving around, you keep your windows up. You you don't Mm. hang a hand with an expensive watch out the door, et cetera. Uh, I had one friend who unfortunately did that, and she was driving with her purse, with the handle of the purse looped around her arm, and she stopped at a red light. She had the windows open. Somebody on a motorcycle came up, grabbed the purse, but because the the leather strap was wound around her arm, they pulled so hard it broke her arm, and she let go oh, of the purse. And she's sitting behind the wheel of her car. So be, um, that's crazy. That that was not too smart. No. Uh, so we we met some interesting folks there, and as I say one of the few of the moms were the role models for. Uh, Lieutenant Innocente's kind of abrasive wife. So they live in a beautiful condo, certainly not a place that uh, police salary paid for. Uh, and when they first meet her, yes, all she's interested in is, my husband's dead. Well, this it wrecks my, my plans for the social season. Uh, and she's very... Removed from her children's lives too, and and that becomes a, a pivotal uh, spot point uh, in the story as well. Yes, yeah, she's well. Her, she's definitely her, the opposite of Amelia. Well,
0: she she's I know when I like Bruno the brother, and I felt sorry for those children, and he wants her to stay out of their lives, and I don't blame him. I don't blame them at all. Because those poor kids yes. Well, She just only cares about herself and she doesn't really care about those children. And she's lucky she had nice children. So he doesn't want her yes. and when is when is Amelia gonna go tell her tell her to go stick a sock in it?
1: Well, I think the readers will find the the ending very satisfying. Um when it comes to Amelia's interaction mm. with Uh, the widow of her lieutenant. Um, There was just nothing about either the lieutenant or his wife that elicited sympathy. He was a dirty cop with this crazy, you know, secret life. The wife only was with him because of the money he was bringing and the lifestyle that she wanted to enjoy even though she was already having an affair with somebody else. So uh that's more red herrings that Amelia has to wade through. So we we've got a very complicated uh mystery here. It's a who done it with a lot of relationships that factor into what happens and how the mystery is solved. I'm I'm not a forensic kind of writer. Mm-hmm. Um, I do use that to a limited extent, but this is not uh, a book full of scientific uh, details uh, about solving clues or blood spatters or DNA, et cetera. Um, the mystery that I write, uh, all of my books really hinge on the relationships, complexity of the relationships and how people react to each other and to events. I got that. That I knew. But you know what happens?
0: <laughs> Sometimes if somebody really isn't trained in forensics and blood splatters and stuff in DNA, and I can tell when they don't know what they're talking about by now after reading a million books, and then if they do too much, it sort of kills the plot, takes away from the murder and solving it. So... It made it simple. As events come to light, Amelia realizes this is really cool people, that the head of the union and the police chief they want the case closed but not the same way. That's what's really amazing.
1: Oh, you're you're very insightful, friend. And very insightful. I try so um, hard to be
0: this is this is there's a reason but I won't say why. I, I learned it from somebody. <laughs>
1: but that that's very true, um, as I said, this all hinges on relationships, and you've got the the head of the union who promoted Amelia over the heads of all of the other uh, detectives, including the senior detective Franco Silvio uh, you've got the and so what's his agenda for doing that? Mm. Uh, the chief of police who has Uh, kind of an unknown relationship with both the dead man who was the head of uh, the detective unit and the uh, head of the union. So what's his agenda? And then of course, there's a third agenda and that is the mayor of Acapulco. And uh, she's one of my favorite characters. Her name is Carlota. And When I wrote that character, I saw Selma Hayek in my Mm -hmm. head as that woman. And she doesn't want anything nasty or untoward to come to light. She wants everything swept under the rug because Carlotta would like to have Acapulco host a Summer Olympics. And in, in another world where... The drug cartels were not uh, fomenting violence on Mexico Street. Acapulco would be a dream location for an Olympics, mm. in my view. Having been there several times, it's such a beautiful, beautiful setting. Uh, but it's not really realistic given the crime, the crime right now. But this is the the mayor's dream, so she becomes mm. another source of tension. Poor Amelia. You've got each of these three people with their own agenda wanting the, the, the lieutenant's murder to be resolved quickly, and each wants it kind of solved in a different way. Uh, so, you know, poor Amelia is definitely caught between a number of grindstones trying to... Mm. Uh, get her to close this case and close it fast.
0: Which well, I think is in real impossible. life they want that that this that, that happens. We just don't hear about it, or maybe we do. A corrupt police departments or somebody's taking money, or they, or the book I'm reading now is called "Inhuman Trafficking," and the judge knows that they're 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 doing this, and they know that about the about this particular um, hotel. Where they have human trafficking and paying and he's just looking away because he's getting paid. That really is like I and mean, it's gotta be happening all over and just don't people just don't talk about it. So how does she uh, uncover well, the truth?
1: Yeah, it's scary. And Acapulco, yeah. yeah. Definitely. Um I I subscribe to a number of different news feeds um mm. focusing on Mexico and it really is shocking. Uh in, in so many ways what's going on. Um, I, my my solution is to use it as grist to bring attention to some of these yeah. issues, and I think it's number uh, six in the series. Forty-three missing is about mm. Amelia being involved in an investigation into a mass kidnapping uh, mm. scene, and that is. Uh, taken from from true life, so I've. You know, it's definitely scary. used.
0: Go ahead. It's, it's scary because you know, to be very honest, it can't. It's not just DACA I'm sure it's other places too, and even foreign countries. It's it's everywhere. That's the sad part, and it's just not brought to light too often. And it's scary. Right. So, so
1: as, as a fiction writer, I can try and 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 sort of highlight these issues i can bring it to people's attention and definitely uh, that's one of the things that so many reviewers will say i learned so much about mexico i learned so much about what's happening there it's it's scary yeah so how
0: does she uncover the truth about fausto and why was it hidden from the public
1: Well, she she will discover the truth about his secret life, kind of piecemeal, working backwards from uh, the the crime scene and trying to piece together his associates beyond the police department and his his family ties, mm. and so little by little it's the small details that will come out that reveal who he was and lead her to what she believes is uh, the cause of his death. Um, but, of course, as as so many of my books do, there is a twist ending. So, no spoilers, but uh, she she has investigated things on parallel tracks, but doesn't realize it. Before I forget, Monday,
0: Deb Pines, A Plague Among Us, Mimi Goldman, watch out for her. That's the last one for 2021. We start on January 4th with psychotherapist Dennis Palumbo and we're going to talk about Winter Blues. On the 5th it's tentative. I'm waiting to get a, permanent, a confirmation. New York Times author Mark Cameron, who took over the Clancy series, Chain of Command, at 12. And on the 6th, Michael Embry. And on the 10th, this is the reason why I know everything, seriously. On uh, January 10th, my college professor for my reading master's, Dr. George Cavuto, and I are going to have a, not an interview, but a discussion. I have to know my stuff. We're going to talk about how to assess children um, and their reading their disabilities through problem solving. And his dissertation was 150 pages, and I read it, and I understood it. And he sent me talking points, and I sent him mine, and he was impressed. So we're going to talk about the correct way to understand children and their learning disabilities and how to correct them. So that's going to be a good show for parents to listen to. And there's a whole lot more coming in January. So how did you use your experience in law enforcement to create this plot?
1: Well, uh, after 30 years with uh, the CIA, um, I definitely had saved up enough experiences and enough uh, interactions with unique personalities to drive a second career uh, and I had always known I wanted to write fiction um, and uh, definitely have used a number of my own experiences in my books. Um, in my first book, uh, with the political thriller, The Hidden Light of Mexico City, uh, I, for example, I used the experience of being in a bank and trying to cash a check. Now, I was uh, standing in line. There was quite a number of uh, people ahead of me. And most of the folks standing in line were definitely workers. Uh, now, in Mexico, mm. the more Spanish blood you have, the higher on the social ladder you are. It's it's a very rigid class structure, very blatant, and also very tolerated. So I was in the bank waiting to cash a check written to me from the account of a NATO ambassador. Most mm. of the others waiting in line, their workmen are maids, so we're looking at paint-stained overalls, navy or gray maid uniforms, slow line, plenty of time to look around. So this fellow in an expensive suit, looking just like the cover of GQ magazine, walks in. Instead of going to the end of the line, he cuts in about five people ahead of me. Nobody says a thing. Not the security guard, not the man behind him, nobody. Everybody pretends it didn't happen because, you know, he's at the top of the social ladder and he's entitled. Well, I've been waiting and I want to say something, but this isn't my country and this isn't my fight. Mm -hmm. But I did make a loud huffy noise. That earned me a few dark looks, like I was the problem. When I got to the teller, she gave me one of those looks, then ran my endorsed check through a little machine that covered it in red ink told me the check was invalidated and couldn't be cashed. The excuse that she gave me was that the signature on the check didn't match the one on file. Mm. When I tried to protest, she gave me a shrug and told me to come back in 15 minutes, that catch-all phrase that translates into get away from me. So I wanted to write about things like that, but I doubted Mm. that anyone would read a nonfiction book about class and society in Mexico by someone who wasn't in academia. So I've used experiences like that in my fiction, and I think it gives it a lot of authenticity because it's it's coming from a real place, it's coming from a real experience. I still want her to smack heads.
0: She's got to go tough, this girl. (laughs) She is tough. So tell us about Kurt, and what about the deaths in her unit? That's hard. You know, when you lose people, good or bad, it's hard no matter what.
1: Um, well, Kurt is the the manager of the uh, luxury hotel in Mexico in uh, Acapulco, which is an amalgam of my three favorite hotels in Mexico, mm. which is the the Hilton Sofia in Mexico City, the uh, Hacienda de los Floreles in Oaxaca, Mexico. Uh, and the Camino Real in Acapulco. So I, I sort of merged all those three together uh, and put it um, on the eastern side of the bay, which has a lot of the new um, new resorts there. Uh, just for uh, visual for your, your listeners, the Acapulco Bay is shaped like a horseshoe, and the mm-hmm. famous cliff divers jump off of the cliffs at La Quebrada on the mm-hmm. western side. And the the fancier resorts are in the middle and on the east. Uh, so th- that really is uh, between Amelia, okay, she's a cop. She grew up in, in Acapulco uh, for her to fall for. Uh, Kurt Rucker, who is, um, from New York. He is a former, uh, military, uh, who went to college on the GI Bill. So he's a bit older than she is and he is, uh, managing this hotel. It's, I'm trying to show the highs and lows. He is definitely in the 1% uh, living in Acapulco, uh, you know, wealthy. Um living in a very luxurious world, and she is uh you know making getting by on her police salary, supporting her mother um and, and definitely a a grew up on the street basically so I'm trying to create tension for Amelia not only because she's the only female police detective in the squad room, but she's having to live between the highs and the lows of, of Mexican society. And she's trying to find that middle ground so that she can be comfortable in Kurt's world in this luxury hotel. And also at home with, with her mother and her cousins and, and going to the market and living a, a, a life that is much more familiar to her in that atmosphere. So I'm having a, a good time trying to show both of both sides of the city through her relationship with Kurt Russell.
0: Okay, so I have a you little ask bit question.
1: Of romance.
0: Uh, he's, That's good. He's
1: in all the books. Oh, good! I was
0: going to ask that if you're going to bring them back. Cause I got to have somebody positive to think about when you write the next one. Well, it,
1: Kurt, Kurt ends up being her oasis when when mm-hmm. the crime and the paranoia and the corruption get too much. He's he's that solid spot for her. He's the oasis in the middle of the craziness. That's not to say their relationship is easy. And it, mm-hmm. it's kind of a roller coaster. Um, in fact, at one point when they, uh, I guess this isn't a spoiler, but they do break up at one point, um, I was surprised at how many readers sent me emails very upset that I they, had, they had broken up. Um, in fact, one reader actually kind of suggested, well, just write a series about Kurt, because he deserves his own. He's been so great to her. <laughs> um, but we'll, we'll keep Amelia as, as the, uh, the central character.
0: I wonder sometimes, though, even though they have relationships, if some of these police officers in real life or police officers in books actually need a therapist to talk to. Sometimes they just need somebody that's, you know, disconnected. Because sometimes they just can't handle it So It's just a thought
1: what would No, happen it, it if has this, happened it, yes. Uh, yes That's she's, what am saying she's yeah, had, yeah, she's had some rough patches Over eight books And yes, has had to uh Get some help Coping with some of it What would happen in real life If this
0: happened in a real precinct that I'm sure it's had How would they be handling How would they handle it
1: you know that's a that's a great question. Uh, I've never been a, a police officer, uh, so I'm using my my background in intelligence um, mm. to project. And one thing that uh, readers often encounter is that the Mexican uh, law enforcement and Mexican laws. Are very different from the U.S. Yeah. in many ways. Uh, for example, uh, trial by jury—it it doesn't happen there. Uh, so their their whole uh, crime solving and uh, legal enforcement or law enforcement apparatus can can have some significant differences to ours, and one of the biggest issues they have is the extent of corruption that runs through their police department. Mm. Several years ago, the Acapulco police department was effectively dismantled and all of Mm. their uh, top, uh, top officers kicked out because of corruption. They were all getting payoffs from, you know, one gang or cartel or somebody um, and that's I don't think it it's really changed uh too much since then that's that's scary.
0: it really is because then what happens probably is an innocent person can go to jail for something they didn't do. That's because they feel like arrested the person, just like the guy in the beginning of the book that was in the guy that owned the car wasn't in wasn't in there. Wasn't in the car. It's like they make their own rules to suit their own what suit the what suit what they want. That's
1: scary, really scary. It it is a a scary situation, Um, and I'm not sure where or what what it will take to uh, change things. One of the biggest benchmarks now has become how many people in Mexico are missing. That's what I'm saying. It's uh, well over 100,000 in the past 10, 12 years that are just disappeared. Um, And if you read uh, the news coming out of Mexico, as I do, Mm -hmm. they're always finding more unmarked mass graves where people have been murdered and just dumped in uh, remote locations. Um, Their big crime, uh, when they were looking for students who had been uh, disappeared, um, I think it was uh, about six years ago, seven years ago now, um, in the area north of Acapulco, um, and they kept finding mass graves. They weren't the graves of the people they were looking for. Uh, and they found a, about another two hundred unidentified bodies, so it's a oh scary situation. is it that that is scary because I know reading
0: this book in human trafficking i 'm sure they have sex trafficking down there too, and a lot of these resorts and people they're just turning a blind eye, and these poor girls they don't they don't understand, and their families don't understand that they're selling their their children into slavery when they think they're having giving them a job. That's even scarier. And that goes on everywhere. It could be going around downtown. You don't even know. So where do you see her next? And he's going to still be her partner, right? Um,
1: her partner for the subsequent books is Franco Silvio.
0: Yeah. She is oh, paired wow. up.
1: Yeah. Uh, so it is a, uh, a fraught. Uh, situation and they will reach an accommodation with each other but it's it, it's a lesson and it definitely is from my experience how do you work successfully with yeah. someone and especially a woman who feels like this man does not respect her how do you reach an accommodation with them to work together sex successfully, um, and that that's what's going to uh, be shown over the next few books. Uh, how well, is she he going to earn his respect? She will And how is questioned. he going to show her that he's human uh, and not, not the ogre he wants her to believe he is? Well, sometimes it's this
0: macho thing that these guys have. And sometimes maybe there's a lot of times they're insecure themselves. And in order to do that, they have to make themselves look better than they really are. So they have to like water it over. Oh, I'm the guy I'm in charge. And even though he might not even have it, have a great self, whatever. So where can we learn more about you and your work?
1: And don't forget, uh, you, you want can to go to down? my, Oh, <laughs> uh, you can go to my website, uh, Carmen Amato. Dot net. Uh, I offer readers a free Detective Amelia Cruz starter library, which has uh, two stories. Uh, the the beast, which is the origin story. How did Amelia get her position? And also the angler, which is the story uh, based on the true murder of my parish priest in Mexico mm. city. Uh, his true murder uh, has never been solved but in the story it does get solved and there's also a who's who guide to the series so that's all free on my website um, and uh, readers can download it uh, free as I say from carmenamato.net and well, uh, go ahead That that is Great. Well,
0: after this show is over, later this afternoon, I have something I have to do after this. We won't say what. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm going to post the review on my unjust reviews, people. And I can promise you that there'll be like 20 people that'll read it in five minutes. I don't know why. And then we'll just post it with a whole bunch of stars afterwards. No, seriously <laughs> um, um, You know, I like I said I'm on tour with uh, Black Coffee Tours by Isabella Blackthorn And I've gotten some really nasty reviews Nothing like, nothing less than three stars But the one girl said I didn't understand why you wrote the book And I have no idea if I like it And I said, I didn't answer her I was like, whatever um, And then I got some people that actually understood What I was writing in my, in my point of view So, you know, you get it both ways but I won't post a negative review if I don't think a book is, four and a half is 5 stars. I won't review it. Or I'll just write a summary. But I want to thank you so much. And if, when the book comes out, you want another interview, just let me know. I'll stick you in my schedule because this okay, is this, this is you. this is this is so much fun. Everybody, it's a beautiful day outside. And I'm hoping everybody has a very happy and healthy Christmas, happy and healthy New Year. And what I hope for the New Year is that the virus goes away and we can walk outside and smile and look at each other's faces once more. That's my wish. So, Carmen, thank you. Everybody have a great day, and bye. Thank
1: you.